Masechet Nazir Daf Lamed He. We are continuing our discussion of Klal Uprat Uklal and Ribui and Meut, these very fundamental Midot Shaturani Dreshet Bahem. And this Sugya is one of the main sources for understanding how these Kelalim, how these methodological rules work. All right, we're to bring it in because of the context of what exactly is a Nazir prohibited to uh, eat and drink when it comes to grape products. Um, for example, what about leaves of a grapevine? And so we saw this as a machloket between Rabbi Elazar and Rabbanan. Uh, Rabbi Elazar thought that it includes all the edible parts of the plant, including the uh, including the um, uh, the uh, leaves, and he learns that from Ribui and Mi'ut. On the other hand, Rabbanan felt that no, only the grapes themselves and anything that comes from the grapes, so it includes the skins and the seeds and uh, unripe grapes and vinegar, and they are learning all that from the methodology of Kelal u Pirat u Kelal. Uh, in this case, actually, Pirat u Kelal u Pirat. All right, so we quoted the Baraita that discusses it, and now we've, we've been analyzing some of, the, um, some of the sections. And so we're going to continue. We're going to have here a long quote from the Baraita that we already learned, and then uh, some more discussion about it. So here we go. Amar Mord mentioned in the Braita, Imahaperat Mefurash Perigamor Afkol Perigamor. The way Uprat works is that we look at the details that are mentioned and we say what is an essential aspect of them, and then we'll come to include and generalize all other things that share that essential aspect that are exemplified in those details. So in the line right before this in the Braita, that gave the answer for Rabanan. Rabanan read it as look at the details. They're all grapes and grape products. Therefore, all grapes and grape products are going to be prohibited to the Nazir, right? So not only the ones that are mentioned explicitly, uh, like the uh, the grapes and the skin and uh, um, and vinegar, but every, anything that is part of or comes from the fruit of the grape, including unripe grapes. That doesn't say, the, the Pesukim do, do say raisins, but they don't say unripe grapes. So the Kelal comes to include un, unripe grapes. Okay, that is the initial um, uh, pr- presentation of the Braita, and that's also the final one. Um, but in the middle, they say, wait a second, how do you know that you're generalizing that much? Maybe you should generalize less, right? Whenever you're looking for an essential value, well, what is that essential aspect of the details? So maybe it's not uh, anything that comes from the grapes, um, and that would include uh, even an unripe grape, maybe not. So this is what was our counter argument. Maybe the detail is something that is uh, something uh, is that it's a complete grape, and so too has to be anything that's a complete, meaning ripe grape, and that would exclude an unripe grape, and as it would be permitted, right? How do you know that you should uh, be more so expansive? Maybe you should be lo- more limited in your definition. And so we answered that already in the Braita. Says if so, then you have nothing else to add, right? You did the, the Torah, the Pasuk did not leave you anything that it didn't say. It already mentioned in the details grapes and raisins, uh, those are already written. A wine and, uh, uh, and vinegar, those are already written. And so therefore, since all the examples are already written, the generalization is not going, going to add anything that is not in the details itself. Therefore, we're going to reject to this interpretation 
uh, of the Kal Pratu Kalal. And we're going to go back to the first one that says anything that derives from the grape, even, for example, unripe grapes. Okay. If so, since we're going to include any part of the grape, including the pits and the skins, why do I need the end of the pasuk, the perat at the end, that says from uh, skins to pits, to pit? So this teaches us actually a general rule about how perat uklal uprat work. Without this very example, we wouldn't know the rule, right? It's a uh, uh, it's very nice, right? The Torah, by formulating it itself in this way, teaches us the rule, and once we know the rule, then we can go back and apply it elsewhere. Uh, so, um, uh, and so this teaches us that anytime you have a pedat ukelal, you cannot assume only the details because you have the generaliz- uh, generalization. Rather, elanasa kelal musafla perat. Rather, the uh, generalization adds to what's in the detail. Right. So, gener- if you have generally perat uklal, we go by the second f- uh, phrase. So, perat uklal would include everything except maybe one thing that's totally di- diametrically opposite. Um, that's perat uklal. So, if you have perat uklal only, then you would be very, very inclusive. Uh, but if you have another perat at the end, just like this example that um, has a lot of detailed examples at the beginning, but then it says anything that comes from the grape, and then it adds two more details. Um, that So the two more details tell you, don't read it like a perat uklal, in which case it's very general. Instead, it's a klal uprat uklal. That's when you read it as um, as uh, the, the second perat is limiting it further and saying, here's a generalization, but it's tied down, right? It's limited on both sides. So therefore, you can only generalize something that is essentially similar to the details. Okay, good. So that's why we have it at, that's why we have um, many of the details at the beginning, and then the Chatzanim and Adzag at the end. All right, so that explains Rabbanan. However, that's fine for Rabbanan. But what are you going to do for the Biel Azar ben Azariah, who in the Mishnah, he was of the opinion that this phrase, Chatzanim Adzag, teaches that uh, it's actually a leniency, that a person is not, Nazir is not liable uh, for lashes until he has two Chatzanim and one Zag, right? Whatever, seeds and uh, two seeds and one skin, or the other way around however you define it. Um, so since he's using that phrase already for a different derasha, then he's not going to have a perat at the end. So it's not a perat uklal uprat anymore. What are you going to do about that? And the answer is, The two, the Elazars, can go together. Rabbi Elazar ben Azariah in the Mishnah, and Rabbi Elazar ben Shamua, that's the Stam Rabbi Elazar, who is in the Baraita, um, they can work together since Rabbi Elazar ben Shamua in the Braita, he didn't use Perat Uklal Uperat. If you remember, he used Mi'et Viriba, a different system. And that system only required two 
phrases, and in that system he included everything, including the the leaves and the tendrils, uh, the mi'ut, just limited, not the branches themselves. And so Rabbi Elazar ben Azariah, who used chasanim azag, that last phrase, that works very well together with Rabbi Elazar, who doesn't need the last phrase for his derasha. Um, okay, so that all works out well. But if you don't want um, Rabbi Elazar ben Azariah to be only like Rabbi Elazar, you want to try to reconcile with Rabbanan, we can. It all can work out because if you think that this derivation of Rabbi Elazar ben Azariah, that you have to have two seeds and one skin, um, so we, that's what we're learning from Chatzanim Adzag. Well, and that's, if that's all you're learning, then you could have put that phrase together at the beginning with all the other details, right? So have all the details of the grapes and the vinegar and the raisins and Chatzanim Adzag. Um, and so it could have been there. So why, uh, why then did the Torah put this phrase Chatzanim Adzag? after the Kelal, oh, his teacher teaches us that we should uh, follow a Kelal Uprat, and it is in fact a Parat Uklal Uprat. So therefore we could use that phrase for double duty. Um, one is that it's phraseology, that it's using a, a plural and a singular, so we learn you have to have two, two uh, seeds and one skin. And that's one thing we learned from it. That's Rabbi Elazar ben Nazariah's derasha, and from its placement, that it wasn't put at the in the first half, but rather at the end. Why is it separated from all the other details? Oh, that shows it's a perat ukelalu perat, and so Rabbi Elazar ben Nazariah can be reconciled with Rabbanan. Now, if you're going to ask about that, no, maybe the whole phrase is only coming for to have a perat at the end. How do you know it's coming that to teach you that you have to have two pits and a skin? I'll answer you and say, if it was only giving uh, uh, further examples, and it, it was, as Telt wants to tell you, that grape seeds and, um, uh, and uh, skins are not allowed, um, but it's not coming to teach you the number, well then, it could have just said two chatzanim in plural and zagim in plural, or both in singular. And so why would the Torah have this unusual phrase of having one of the words in plural and one of them in singular? So we, therefore, we can learn two things from it. From the placement, we can use, we can use it to teach us about the perat uklal uprat, because this you have the um, these details that are pushed to the end, so that's an, a closing parat. And we can also learn from the one being singular, one being plural, that you the derasha that you have to have two chalsanim and one zag. Okay, good. So now we explained the uh, uh, banan can uh, everybody can follow the banan. Uh, including Rabbi Elazar ben Azariah. But now we're going to ask about Rabbi Elazar. Rabbi Elazar, who here in this case, he used Mi'ut and Riboy. So how is Rabbi Elazar go, where is he going to derive the general rule of Perat Uklal Uprat? It's an interesting question. 
because as we mentioned yesterday, these two, de- these two um, systems of derivation, one comes from the school of Rabbi Ishmael and one comes from the school of Rabbi Akiva. Nevertheless, it doesn't mean that the two schools didn't intermingle and sometimes you know, they, one used the uh, derivations from the other school. And in fact, in the Midrashah Halacha from the school of Rabbi Akiva and with, from the school of Rabbi Ishmael, you can see them quoting and using both types of derashot. So therefore, Rabbi Al-Azad as a student, uh, surely he agreed also with the very idea of perat uklal uperat. So our question is, so then where did he, what, what's, what would be his exemplar of it, because he can't use nazir. So let's look for uh, some others. And we're going to see two or three other ones that are good examples of perat uklal uperat, also perat uklal uperat uklal. We're going to see examples of both. Um, okay, good. So uh, we asked for an example of Prat, and here is one. If a person for the Pasuk from Shemot uh, gives to his friend to watch, or as a watchman, he gives him a chamor or shor or se. So those are all details. And then it says, kol behema, any animal. So you see there's a redundancy here. Why not, why do, just say any animal? Why do you have to give the details if you meant, only, if you meant any animal? And if you meant only, the, only these three types, no other animal, right? Only this, a donkey, an ox, or a sheep, then why say all kol behema? So we see, uh, we, we have to reconcile this. Now, then we follow up with lishmor, and the derasha is taking the word lishmor as a detail. Now, even though this is not a type of animal, uh, we're reading it as it has to be something that is watchable. Because if you take just the word behema, maybe it means any uh, any living being, right? Even uh, 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 you know a lion, a lizard. I don't know. So the word lishmar means only something that is watchable. It has to be something that is of value and you can and is movable and that you is not going to eat you, um, right? Is uh, something that you can you can watch. So this is a limiting word as well. So then we have peral perat ukelal uperat e atadan e la kein haperat. So here we go. We have a good example. It gave some examples of domesticated animals. Then it said any behema. Um, and that, and that any behemah would include, right now we're assuming it means maybe any living thing. Um, so then it was lishmar, no, only things that are similar to chamor and shod, that are movable items, that are of value, and are easy to, uh, to guard. So only if it's something like that would this law apply. The law that if it dies, then the watchman takes an oath and says, I, listen, I was not negligent. Um, he can take an oath, oath and then he doesn't have to um, uh, pay. Okay, so that's the Rabbi Abu's example. Rava Amar, Nafkale Mahaikera, Veim Min Perat, Hasan Kelal, Kebasim Veizim, Hazar U Parat, Perat Ukelal Uprat, Eatadan E la Kain Haperat. Rava says, here's a nice example of a Parat Uklal Uprat. Let's look at the Pasuk inside. We're talking about animals that can be used for an Ola offering. It says, V'im Min. We're going to learn the word Min. Min is always a limiting word, right? From, the, from a group, right? You're taking a limited sample from a larger group. So Min is a Parat here. 
Hasan is the kilal, that's a general uh, uh, category of uh, small animals, korbano, and then it lists different types, kebasim o minhaizim, from sheep and goats, right? So flock is include, inclusive of, of lots of different um, types of small animals, not cattle, not cows, um, and then it goes and lists uh, sheep and goats. Okay, so let's see the, how this works. Um, so we have min is perat, son is kelal, kebasim is perat. We have peratu kelal u perat, and so we're going to understand that anything that is like the perat, which means um, that when it says son, we want to include more th- more th- more things. So it's not only kebasim veizim, but it's going to include anything that is similar to it. Okay, there's some different discussion about what we are including here. I think a simple and straightforward understanding is. Um, if you have lambs, a lamb refers to a one-year-olds, and you might think not rams. And so that's why the generalization comes to say also rams that are two years old. Uh, okay, so that's, uh, that's an example, and um, we can learn the diff- the, what, what animals are allowed to be brought as an Ola offering. So Rav Yudah here says we can learn the very same thing, not from this pasuk, but from a few pasukim earlier uh, that says, Adam um, mean, that's a limiting word, is an inclusive word, and then it says are detailed examples. So here also you have a Peratu Klalu Prat. Why do you have to go so far in the in the Perik? Um, you can learn it from this here, the second Pasuk in the um in the Chumash. Um, so uh, and you can learn the same thing that means just talking about these types of domesticated animals. Um, Rava says, "No, I would. I don't like your derasha. Because yours has the word behema, and behema." Uh, is a very general word, and I might think that it will include not only domesticated animals, but even hayot, undomesticated animals. And so now you have a very broad category, and at best, the limitations, the perat, will say, okay, fine, not all behemot, not all uh, wild animals, right? Only some, right? And then a deer, you can bring a deer as a korban, you cannot, right? Deer is, even though it's kosher animal, you cannot bring it as a korban. And so you're, if you use that pasuk, you're going to have to deal with the word behema, and behema is too inclusive. You're not going to be able to limit it sufficiently for what the halacha needs to be. You see from here, like we kind of know what the halacha needs to get to. Um, we're just fi- trying to find the right, the best pasuk to derive it from. Uh, but if Rav Yudah defends his pasuk and says, wait, a chaya would not be included in the word behema. Because you have bakar and son, those are the detailed particulars. And we know this is how it works. You only take from the generality that which is essentially similar to the details. And just like the detailed examples are, Behemot are only, uh, uh, the details are only like Bakar and Son, only domesticated animals. I would know that we're not including uh, wild animals. And so, therefore, my Dirashah is perfectly fine. All right.
So those are a couple, a couple of examples of perat u kelal u perat. But now the Gemara, still not satisfied totally, asks further, And how do we know that it works this way? Um, we're going to see now number one and more, uh, a more detailed example. And also this example is going to be the opposite. Kelal u perat u kelal. So we want to learn both variations and see how, how they work. So here we go. We're talking about the redemption of Ma'asir Sheni. Ma'asir Sheni, a farmer has to take a tenth of his produce and eat it in Jerusalem. He can eat it all himself. He can share it with friends, family, poor people. He's have this is you know a lot of money, ten percent of his entire yearly income that he's going to spend in one visit. Okay, very nice. So the, if he lives close by, he can bring the fruit itself. But if he lives far away, then it's going to be impossible to carry all that. Instead, he redeems the Ma'asir for money, uh, the equivalent amount, and he takes the money, brings it to Jerusalem. When he comes to Yerushalayim with that money, then he has to buy food items. He can't buy a car, he can't buy an apartment, as nice as that is to do. It has to be something that's similar to the things that he sold in the first place. And so therefore the Torah says he should take the money and buy anything he wants. Now if you had only that phrase, stop right there, then you say, well, it means he could buy anything he wants. Maybe it means he could buy a condo. Uh, so that's why it says the details. Oh no, bakar and son, yayin and shachar, animals, wine, and uh, other uh, alcoholic be- beverages uh, to celebrate with. That's per- that's that. Those are the details. Now, if you had just that, you'd say, okay, that's it. He can only buy one of those four things. How about you know fruits and vegetables? Um, how about birds? So those details uh, then are follow up with another kilal. Anything that you want, that's another generalization. All right, so now we have here like pretty much a contradiction. It says everything. It says four things. Then it says everything. So which one is it? So here we apply. We look for the essential aspect of those details and we generalize from them. And so we see this is Produce of produce means something that, uh, and that grows from the ground. So certainly any fruits and vegetables, that's pity. And anything that comes from perot, this will include animals. Animals don't grow from the ground, but domesticated animals do eat the grass from the ground. And so they are also, therefore, um, something generated from the ground. Birds also are included in this. This would exclude fish, by the way, because fish, uh, does not um, does not grow from the ground, not water, not salt. All right, so this is how we know you can buy basically almost any uh, food item, but you cannot uh, buy a car in Jerusalem with Maser Shani money. And there you go, we have a beautiful example. And so even if you don't have the example for Nazir, look, you have this example um, and the ones before it for Perat Uklat Uprat, and this example is the... Uh, for kalal uprat u kalal. Now, mikidi kalal uprat u kakeen perata dainan, kalala batra mai ahane. Now we're going to ask about how all these wor- rules work and what would be the subtle differences between them. Okay, so now that we know that you have kalal upratu kelal, so if we're going to analyze it, something that is similar to the prat. Wait a second, the last kalal, what do you need it for? In other words, if I had just kalal uprat, 
Then we follow the second one, and we will know the details. So, what is the last kalal going to add to uh, add to the um, to, to the usage of this rule? And the answer is We're going to add anything that is similar to the pirat. Uh, in other words, if you have just kalal upirat, then you're only going to have the details of the pirat. Um, when uh, pretty much you're going to stick only to those details. The last kalal makes it into a rule that we learn anything that's essentially similar to the pirat uh, when we will generalize from that. Now, same thing with the other phrase. Same thing with pirat uklal upirat that we uh, will follow whatever is in a way similar to the perat. So if so, what is the last perat doing? Right? Why not just be su suffice with perat ukilal? And then I would know, look, I have a generality. And the answer is, uh, if not for the last perat, then I would say the generality is adding to every, adding everything to the detail. So in other words, if I had only perat ukilal, I would say everything is included. And that's why you need the last parat to tone it down and say, hold on, not everything, only something that is essentially similar to the piratim. That's you, that's what you could generalize. So they work pretty much the same way. Is there any difference between them? So now that you told me that if I have two klaus and one parat, meaning klalu pratu klal, or if I have two piratim and one kelala, meaning perat uklal uprat, in either way, I'm going to derive anything that is essentially the same as the perat, if it shares those essential values, uh, then we're, we're going to use it in the generalization. So what's the difference between the perat uklal uprat and kelal uprat uklal? And the answer is there is a difference. Ika tilu tarten kelale uperata ika perata de damile filu besade behadsad marbinan. If I have two kelalim, that's going to be a little bit more expansive. And in that case, even if there's something that has only one similar detail to the perat, I'm going to add it in. Right? So if there's just, it only shares, like in the Venn diagram, there's only one thing that it shares. Um, uh, because there's two klalim, the two, two generalizations are going to generalize it more, more power of generalization. And so, yeah, we'll say that's, that's similar enough. Um, so that'll include more. Whereas, Whereas if I have a, one kalal in the middle and sandwiched by two piratim, well, that's more limiting. And in that case, I'm only going to generalize something that has two similar aspects to the pirat. It has to share two essential qualities, then I'll generalize it. But if it shares only one essential quality, then I will not. All right, good. That seems very important. Now, Mikelal Pirat Ukelal. Um, and now a very important question. Since let's say I have only two terms, you follow the second term and the generalization adds on everything or almost everything to the detail. 
Uh, right, we add on everything. Now, how about Mi'ut Vidi Boy? Um, that from the Biakiva's school, that would be El Azad Ben Shamua used. That's also the same thing. Well, since it has a, a detail and then a generality, so we follow the generality adds all matters. Okay, uh, not necessarily all matters. If something completely opposite, like the branch that's not even edible, that is excluded. But otherwise, we're basically following the second term. So, what's the difference between Peratu Klal and Mi'ui and Ribui? How would they be applied? How would the result be different? And the answer is, well, there is a little difference. And the answer is, if we had perat ukelal, then we would include even more, even the uh, the even the leaves and the tendrils uh, would be included in the prohibition, for example, of a nazir. Whereas if you use miut and ribui, then we would say. Listen, the tendrils, yes, but the alin, that, no, they're too different um, from the mi'ut. Okay, this last line is a bit difficult because it contradicts what we said yesterday, that according to the Biel Azad, who uses mi'ut viribui, he actually included lulavin and alin. He only excluded the branches themselves. And so this does seem to contradict the one previously. Also, in general, it actually seems to be the other way around, that perat ukelal would be uh, less in, uh, inclusive than mi'ut and ribui. And so therefore, some suggest to switch these around, although in the manuscripts uh, uh, that is not confirmed. Uh, although the truth is, we only have two Ashkenazi manuscripts, so a very slender uh, evidence for this, um, and so it is possible that it should be the switch switch the other way around, and that would resolve um, those contradictions. Baruch Adonai Le'olam, Amen ve'amen.